Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob. I'm reading today from the Free Grace Broadcaster. It's the winter edition, winter 2019. It can be delivered to your house, by the way. Just get in touch with these people. You can send them an email at chapel at mountzion.org and ask them for your free gift, the Free Grace Broadcaster. It'll be sent to your house thereafter every quarter. So, uh, yeah, we're still on break here and uh, deciding what to do with this uh, broadcast. But while we were waiting, the, the Free Grace broadcaster came, and I decided I at least can do that in the meantime. We're looking at a whole quarter's worth of articles on self-examination. We'll be listening to Thomas Watson and Charles Spurgeon and J.C. Ryle and Arthur Pink Jonathan Edwards, and uh, they all had something to say about self-examination. Let's start with Thomas Watson, who lived from 1620 to 1686. He was an English nonconformist Puritan preacher and author, Thomas Watson. Charles Spurgeon loved this man quite a bit. Well, self-examination, he said, is a duty of great importance. It is negotiating with one's own heart. I commune with my own heart. Psalm 77, 6. David did put interrogatories to himself. Self-examination means setting up a court in your conscience and keeping a register there that by strict scrutiny, a man may know how things stand between God and his own soul. Self-examination is a spiritual inquisition, a bringing oneself to trial. A good Christian doth, as it were, begin the day of judgment here in his own soul. Self-searching is a heart anatomy. As a surgeon, when he makes a dissection in the body, discovers the intestina, the, the inward parts, the heart the liver, the arteries. So a Christian atomizeth himself. He searches what is flesh and what is spirit, what is sin and what is grace. My spirit made diligent search, Psalm 77, 6 again. As the woman in the Gospel of Luke did light a candle and search for her lost groat, that is an English silver coin. We would have called it a penny or um, whatever the Bible calls it, a coin. That's in Luke 15, 8. So conscience is the candle of the Lord, Proverbs 20, 27. By the light of this candle, a Christian must search his soul if he can find any grace there. The rule by which a Christian must try himself is the word of God. Fancy and opinion are false rules to go by. We must judge of our spiritual condition by the canon of Scripture. David calls this a lamp unto his feet. Let the word be the umpire to decide the controversy whether we have grace or no. We judge colors by the sun so we must judge the estate of souls by the light of Scripture. 
Self-examination is a great incumbent duty. It requires self-excitation. It cannot possibly be done without offering violence to ourselves. The duty in itself is difficult because, number one, it is a work of self-reflection. It lies most with the heart. It is hard to look inward. External acts of religion are easy to achieve. To lift up an eye to heaven, to bow the knee, to read a prayer. This requires no more labor than for a Catholic to count his beads. But to examine a man's self, to turn in upon his own soul, to take the heart as a watch all in pieces to see what is defective is not easy. Reflective acts are hardest. The eye can see everything but itself. It is easy to spy the faults of others, but hard to find out our own. And secondly, it is difficult because of self-love. As ignorance blinds, so self-love flatters. Every man is ready to think the best of himself. What Solomon saith of love to our neighbor is most true of self-love. It, it hides a multitude of evil. That's in Proverbs 10:12. A man looking upon himself in the mirror of self-love finds that his virtues appear greater than they are and his sins lesser. Self-love makes one excuse what is amiss rather than examine it. As examination is in itself difficult, so it is a work that we are not easily brought to. That which causeth a backwardness to self-examination are these things. He lists four now. Number one, they are conscious of guilt. Sin clamors inwardly, and men are loath <clears throat> to look into their hearts, lest they should find that which should trouble them. It is a little pleasure to read the handwriting on the wall of conscience. Tradesmen that are sinking in their estates are loath to look over their books or cast up their accounts lest they should find their estates low. Likewise, many Christians loathe to look into their guilty hearts lest they should find something there that should affright them as Moses was affrighted at the sight of the rod turned into a serpent. Secondly, they have foolish, presumptuous hopes. And they fancy their estate to be good. And while they weigh themselves in the balance of presumption, they pass for current. That is, they are considered truth and authentic. Many take their salvation on trust. They, they trust in themselves, not Christ. The foolish virgins thought they had oil in their lamps as well as the wise. Some are not sure of their salvation, but, but secure. If one were to buy a piece of land, he would not take it upon trust, but examine the title. How confident are some of salvation and yet never examine their title to heaven. <clears throat> Thirdly, they rest in the good opinion of others. Ah, oh, how vain is that. Alas, 
One may be gold and pearl in the eyes of others, yet God may judge him reprobate silver. Others may think him a saint, and God may write him down in his black book. Judas was looked upon by the rest of the apostles as a true believer. They would have been ready to have given their hands to this certificate, yet he was a traitor. Standers-by can but see the outward behavior. They cannot tell what evil is in the heart. Fair streams may run on the top of a river, but vermin may lay at the bottom. Vermin, that is, animals of a loathsome appearance or character. Number four, they do not believe scripture. The scripture saith the heart is deceitful above all things, Jeremiah 17, 9. Solomon said there were four things too wonderful for him that we could not know. He, he might have added a fifth, and that is the way of man's heart. <clears throat> the heart is the greatest impostor. It will be ready to put one off with seeming grace instead of saving grace. The heart will persuade that a slight tear is repentance and a lazy desire is faith. Now, because the generality of people does not believe that there is such fallacy in their hearts, they're slow to examine them. This natural backwardness in us to self-reflection should cause us to offer the more violence to ourselves in making a thorough disquisition, that is an investigation, and search of our hearts. Oh, that I might prevail with Christians to take pains with themselves in this great work of examination. Their salvation depends on it. It is the note of a harlot that she is seldom at home. Quote, her feet abide not in her house. Now is she without, now in the streets. End of quote. Proverbs 7, 11, 12. It is a sign of a harlot professor to be altogether abroad, spying the faults of others, but never at home with his own heart. Oh, let us try our hearts as we do gold by the touchstone. Touchstone was the mineral used for testing the quality of gold. Let us examine our sins and finding out this leaven, burn it. Let us examine our grace to see if it is the right kind. One went into the field to gather herbs but he gathered wild gourds, and then death was in the pot, Second Kings 4.40. So many think they have grace, the right herb, but it proves a wild gourd and brings death and damnation. Well, that we may offer violence to ourselves in this great business of examination, let these few things be seriously weighed. Number one, without self-examination, we can never know how it is with us. If we should die presently, we cannot tell what coast we should sail to, whether to hell or heaven. It is reported that Socrates made this speech when he was going out of the world. He says, I am now to die, and the gods know whether I shall be happy or miserable. Well, that man who is ignorant of the state of his soul 
must needs have the trembling at the heart, as Cain had a shaking in his flesh. By a serious scrutiny of our hearts, we come to know to which prince we belong, the prince of peace or the prince of the air. Number two, if we will not try ourselves, God will try us. He will examine us as the chief captain did Paul by scourging. He will ask that question as Christ did, whose image and superscription is this? And if we cannot show him his own image, he will reject us. Number three, there is secret corruption within, which will never be found out but by searching. There is in the heart, as Augustine saith, hidden pollution. When Pharaoh's steward accused Joseph's brethren of having the cup, they dared to have sworn they had not the cup in their sacks. Little doth a man know what atheism, pride, uncleanness is in his heart until he searcheth. For the great advantage that will accumulate to us. The benefit is great, whichsoever way things turn. If upon examination we find that we have not grace in truth, then the mistake is discovered and the danger prevented. If we find that we have grace, we may take the comfort of it. How glad was he that had found the pearl of great price. He that upon search finds that he hath but the least degree of grace is like one that hath found his box of evidences. He is heir to all the promises and in a state of salvation. And that we may go on the more successfully in this work, let us desire God to help us find out our hearts. That which I see not, teach thou me, said Job in 34.32. Lord, take off the veil. Show me my heart. Let me not perish through mistake or go to hell with the hope of heaven. That article is from The Christian Soldier or Heaven Taken by Storm, uh, edited by Mr. Armstrong, who had some of Watson's work in the book. Pages 55 and 56. It's in the public domain. We're allowed to read it freely. In fact, everything I read from the Free Grace broadcaster is given to you by permission or it's in the public domain already. So, thank you for being here today. I'd like to remind you of the things that we have on the website while I'm back here for a little while anyway. Works of several great men of God like this Watson. Their stories, their words. Hundreds of North Korea audios. Oh, nothing's changed. I don't have to add another audio or another photo for you to get the picture. Things are not changing there. Especially as long as the Kims are in charge, I pray regularly that God will restrain this man and eventually remove him, that God's people will have a break, that they will be visited, the people of God will get a visit in some way by God himself, through people, through his spirit, through the word getting into the camps. But do you, do you pray for them regularly? I hope that you will. And there's other studies uh, on the Quran, studies on Muhammad, study and, and of course exposing these things not not favoring them 
Bible prophecy is in these uh, recordings through the Bible, commentaries, lots of books, you'll notice. Just click on store. You have to buy those, but uh, check those out. Got a couple new ones, two, uh, three actually, two commentaries on the book of Romans, chapter or part one and part two. And then just recently, a book called Cries from Among Us, which deals with Christian child abuse. Unfortunately, within the walls of the Christian church, in homes, uh, people's families, and in, in institutional homes, there is abuse going on of, of various sorts. And I've covered some of it in this book, and I hope that you'll take advantage of that um, possibility. And then just look throughout the whole website. I think you're going to find some things that will bless you. Anyway, this is the Hackberry House of Chosun, and uh, Lord willing, we'll get to talk again eventually, maybe very soon. Bye-bye.